morning. Welcome to East Columbus Christian Church. Uh, whether you're here in the service, whether you're watching online, we welcome you. We are excited here at East Columbus because uh, I think God's doing some pretty awesome things in our midst. Would you agree with me on that? It's pretty exciting. Can we just give him a praise for what he's doing? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing our attendance numbers uh, start to climb. We're, we're seeing new people being added to the church on a regular basis. We're seeing new people visit uh, on a regular basis. And uh, man, I just love what the worship team is doing. I love what other ministries throughout the church is doing. A little bit later on, hopefully this month, we're going to break ground on our building expansion. Hopefully that happens a little bit later on. So God is doing some amazing things in our midst. And uh, sometimes it, it, uh, uh, it takes... Uh, some dry moments in our lives to realize just how good God is. Would you agree with me on that? And that's kind of the idea uh, behind this series that we want to start today that we're calling Lessons from the Desert. We're kicking off a new series, and I want to take a look at some of the, the Bible stories that took place in the desert or they took place uh, in, the, in the wilderness, so to speak, and see what we can learn from those stories, see how we might be able to apply those things to our lives so that we might understand why it is we're going through maybe some difficult times or maybe why we're going through what seems to be a spiritual dry spell. Uh, so uh, that's the purpose for, it, for the series. We're going to kick it all off today with Moses. Now, most of us don't have personal stories of physically being in a desert, but I think almost all of us can relate spiritually to being in a desert at one time or another, and I think that these stories are going to help us deal with why we do that and what we can learn from that. Next week, we're going to, it's going to be Mother's Day, just a heads up, kids, husbands, y'all knew that, right? All right, just trying to help you out, just in case you didn't know that. Next week is Mother's Day. We're going to take a look at the story of uh, a mother and her son that were in the desert. We're going to talk about uh, Hagar and Ishmael. And uh, then we're going to look at the Israelites wandering in the desert. We're going to take a look at Jesus and his time in the wilderness and how he was tempted. But today we're going to talk about Moses and the burning bush. But we, before we dive in, let's just take a moment to go uh, before the Lord in, in prayer. Father, I thank you for, um, for what you're doing in our midst, Lord. I pray that as we open up your word today that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that everything that, that I say today is straight from you, not anything from, from me, but it's all from you. It's from your word. It's for what your people need to hear at this particular time. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just help us to receive your word um, and, and that we would grow from it. And Lord, we might, uh, we might just be better witnesses, we might be better disciples, and we might draw closer to you through it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Heard a story about George W. Bush. He was in the airport one day, and he noticed a man in a long, flowing white robe, and he had a long, flowing white beard, and he had long, flowing white hair, and the man had one staff in his hand, and he had stone tablets under his arm in the other, uh, and George W. walks up to the man and he says to him, he says, aren't you Moses? And the man ignored George W. for a moment. He just stared at the ceiling. George W. positioned himself a little more directly in front of the man. He says, aren't you Moses? And the guy just looked at the ceiling, continued to look at the ceiling. George W. tugs on his robe and he says, hey, aren't you Moses? And the guy replied, he goes, yeah, I'm Moses. He said, well, why were you... Why are you being so unfriendly to me? And he said, the last time I spoke to a bush, I spent 40 years wandering in the desert. <laughs> True story. 
in all seriousness, that, that's really bad. That was a bad one, but I just wanted to wake you up, make sure you're with me this morning. Each of us are on a journey, and sometimes as we're going through those journeys, we encounter moments in our lives where we're just not as spiritually vital as we once were, you know, and, and, and I think we're all, as we journey through life, we're all at different levels, and, and, and we've had different things happen to us throughout our lifetimes, and, and it kind of puts us where we're at, or it kind of uh, helps to, to um, position ourselves uh, where we might be spiritually, and what you do with each situation that you encounter, and how you handle each of those situations helps determine your spiritual destiny. And you can either learn from your mistakes. That's the good thing. You can learn from your mistakes and you can allow God to uh, have total access of your life and you can ask Him to be the Lord of your life. And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some challenges when you do that, but I guarantee you it's going to be more satisfying if you do that and it's going to be more eternally rewarding if you do that. Or you could do uh, this. You could... Do it yourself. You can learn the hard way. You can put yourself on the uh, the throne, if if you will, and and you can try to work things out in your own power and in your own strength, and and you can go through your life without peace, or like I said, you can do it with God's strength and God's peace, and um, understand that He'll not leave you, and He'll not forsake you, no matter what it is that you're going through, if you belong to Him. And I think that's part of the problem why there are so many people in this world who feel alone, who feel trapped, who uh, sometimes go through dark places in, in their lives. I know sometimes chemical things happen in people's minds and, and, and depression is a real thing and it's, it's very devastating. But I think also there are times when we get ourselves in positions as well, spiritually speaking, where we just turn away from God and we don't allow Him to do what we know that He can do. And so I want us to look at the life of Moses for a moment and understand that while he did great things for God, um, sometimes we forget that he was human. Sometimes we forget that he dropped the ball every once in a while. Sometimes we forget that he did a lot of stupid things. Isn't it good to know that we can look at a guy like Moses and understand that he did a lot of stupid things and God used him in a mighty way? And then you look at your own life and you go, Okay, there's hope. Is anybody with me on that? Are, you know, um, Exodus 2, we're introduced to uh, Moses, the story of, of Moses' birth. It's a time when Hebrew babies, they weren't safe. Uh, a Hebrew bo boy born at that particular time uh, more than likely was, was going to die if they found them. And had his mother not made the sacrifice that she made, uh, a, a sacrifice that any mother would dread to make to save her son's life she sends him down the river in in a basket and and she's hoping that pharaoh's uh palace discovers the baby and takes him in and cares for him and feeds him has mercy on him raises the son uh that she uh knew would die if she tried to do it on her own um, and that's exactly what happened, and it was a God thing when that happened, because as we read this story further, not only did the palace of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter take Moses in, God worked it all out to where uh, at, at, at some point, uh, Moses' mother was actually the one that was able to nurse him as well, but then at some point, she eventually has to let go again, and Moses is... is uh, uh, 
in, in the land of, of the Egyptians and he rises to a level of, of leadership and she doesn't have any connection with him anymore and he's grown into, uh, grown into this man and we don't hear anything about the birth mother anymore uh, after that point from that time until he becomes older and then we see Moses you remember this story? At the very least, if you haven't read it, you've seen the movie, right? And you, every time I read it, does anybody else think of Charlton Heston when you're reading this story? I cannot get around that, all right? And so we read this story where uh, Moses is seeing one of his Hebrew uh, fellow Hebrews being beaten by an Egyptian guard, and, and he loses it, and he kills the guy and he buries the body uh, and then a little bit later on he sees two uh, Egyptian or two Hebrews getting into a fight and Moses tries to break it up and, and remember what they said to him they said what are you, you going to do you going to kill us too remember that story and so they had witnessed what Moses had done that Moses thought that he killed this guy and nobody knew about it he thought he had gotten by with it but these other two guys see it happen they said what are you going to do kill, kill us too. And so the secret that Moses thought was safe was now exposed and Moses runs for his life and he leaves Pharaoh and, and he goes out into the desert in, in Midian and he's, he's all alone. He's trying to escape his past and he runs into a girl and her family and, and he takes special care of their flock and he's taken back to meet her father and in the culture of the day he's given her hand in marriage and they, they become a, a family and they have a child and, and years later here's the son-in-law of Jethro who is now, uh, he's running the family business and so Moses with his wife Zipporah and their son Gershom, they're standing in the land and here's what Moses is saying. Okay, I, I can imagine he's thinking, all right, at one time in my life, I had everything that I ever wanted. I'm in the house of Egypt. I've got everything at my disposal. And now I'm out here in a desert and I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Has anybody ever felt that way? Does anybody right now feel like a foreigner in a foreign land in this world? All right. Well, that's what God says we are. God says we are aliens. But this is, where, this is where Moses is at this point in his life in the story. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 and following, it says, During that long period the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out in their cry for help because of their slavery. They, it went up to God, and God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Okay, so Moses has this past. He's running. His past is not very good because he has, he's murdered somebody and then he buried the body, tried to cover it up, and he's on the run from God and he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing with God as of yet. And because of his sin, I'm sure Moses has this guilt going on in his life and he's in this strange land. He's looking at the life he used to have and he's thinking about the life that he has now. He's thinking about all of the things that he did that were not right and then he's thinking about where he's at now and we pick up the text for uh, our purposes here this morning in chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 and see where this this leads Moses okay so he's got all this stuff going on in his mind he's got all this stuff going on in his head and here's what it says Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then verse 7, the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses is in the desert. He looks over and he sees a bush that's on fire, but yet the fire is not consuming the bush. It doesn't burn up. And so he goes over to check it out. And Moses is called by name from this burning bush. And his response is, here here I am. Moses must have been in shock. Just a little bit. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you think about being out in the desert, a hot, dry desert and a bush starts talking to you you know you're probably thinking I've been out here a little too long maybe you know can I get some water something like that and and there's no way a bush should be talking to me right now and then you look at verses 5 through 10 all Moses could do was listen right the power of God was so strong he couldn't even really speak back all he could do was listen and God said I am sending you to bring my people out of Egypt What an awesome task to put on the back of any human being. Let alone someone who was dealing with the baggage that Moses is dealing with. Can you imagine knowing that he had killed someone? Knowing that he had covered it up and then here's God who sees everything and Moses knows that God sees everything saying, all right, now I'm going to use you to set my people free. You're going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, Moses does what a lot of us do when we're asked to do something. We start throwing out a lot of excuses, right? Who am I to do that, God? What what am I going to tell them? What if they don't listen to me? How am I going to do it? There's no way we're going to be able to pull this off. Let's read verses 11 through 15. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Contrary to what I read on Facebook this week after Ryan Croft preached last week and brought up this passage of scripture, it was not Popeye who originally said that, okay? I saw that from a lot of people. It was God who said it first. I am what I am, or I am who I am, not what I am. Popeye said I am what I am. God said I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. 
And God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. As Ryan Cross said last week, God just responded with, I am. And for God, for the Almighty, for the creator of the universe, that's enough. That's a complete sentence. The rest of us need more words to complete the sentence. But God doesn't. And God finishes the sentence with this to us. Not only does he finish it to Moses, but he finishes the sentence to us in this way. I am all that you need. I am your strength. I am your peace. That's what he's saying to us. That's why those two words, I am, are so important because there are so many things that could follow that. God is all-knowing and all-loving. And He is there to meet all of our needs. And so here's what we need to understand this morning. The very first thing from our story that I think can apply to us, applied to Moses then, it applies to us now, is this. God can use our brokenness. In the midst of our desert, God can use our brokenness. Aren't you glad that God loves us enough not to give up on us? Amen. Aren't you glad that God is willing to take the broken pieces of our lives and allow us to be whole? That that He will take our brokenness and He will put us back together and put us back together in something that is far better than we ever were in the first place. He allows us to be whole. He allows us to be satisfied. He allows us to be used by Him. He allows us to accomplish great things for God. Moses takes off. He flees to the desert. He seems to be living a normal life. He's living his life. What he thinks is the best way to live his life. It's normal to him now at this point. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is being broken and running from God... You're normal right now. Has it become so routine that you are the way that you are and that's just the way that you're going to be? That it's just become normal to the point of where you don't, you don't even know if you want to take that risk to open up to God to see if He can do what He says He'll do? I think that's where Moses was. I think his normal had become this life in the desert. He forgot what he once was. And now he's got this new normal in his life. And here's the great thing about God. He uses broken people. And he encourages us to come to him broken. And he will mend us. I think sometimes... We have to be broken before we can come to Him, right? Because if we're not willing to be broken, He's going to have to break us before we will surrender to His will, before He can use you. Because here's what we do. We come to God sometimes and we think we've got our act together. We think everything's just wonderful and everything's just hunky-dory and I've got my life all mapped out and everything's perfect and God's got another plan. And sometimes we have to be broken. Sometimes we have to spend a little bit of time in the desert before we can see, listen, I don't know everything. 
Isn't that true? Have you been there before? And so what happens sometimes is because we don't take everything to God and give it to Him, then, and, and we think we're living our lives the best way that it's possible to live our lives, then there's a lot of collateral damage that happens because we're not, we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're trying to live it in our own power. There's an old saying that says, hurt people hurt people. The idea is this, because we've been hurt... We, in turn, hurt others. And sometimes the results of that can be devastating. Sometimes it manifests itself in emotional, verbal, sexual, spiritual. Because we, we're just so proud and we're so together and, well, we got to act like everything's just great. And we're not willing to go to God and, and be broken. Moses is about to find out what each of us needs to discover this morning. God will use us, and he desires to use each and every one of us if we let him. Psalm 51, verse 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Listen to me right now. If you're in a desert place, that's not necessarily a bad thing this morning. Because a broken spirit is often more willing to be used by God. A contrite heart is a good thing. The problem with many of us, though, is this. The problem with us is that we don't come to God with a contrite heart. We come to God with a concrete heart. You know, and there's a big difference. One heart is repentant, one is remorseful, one is heavy, and it's made a, a very hard material, and it's hard to, to be moved. It's made of stone. It's hard and unmovable. And the one that God wants to use most is the one that's willing to come to him and say, listen, God, I've blown it. I'm broken. I don't know what to do. I can't do it on my own. Here's my life. You take it. Nobody really talks about it much, but Moses had a rough childhood, really, at the beginning. I mean, you think about it. It's pretty rough. But he was eventually raised in the palace of the Egyptians. And I can imagine he probably had some mixed emotions about the Egyptians and the Hebrews. Because he was a little bit of both. And at times he probably loved one, didn't care one much for the other. And then at times he probably cared more for this one and not much for the other, and so he loved people in both camps and was probably aggravated with people in both camps, and when he saw the Egyptian abusing the Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian, and he's in exile, and he's running from God because he probably didn't know what the right answer was, for Moses, this was just another normal day for him, because that's what his normal had become, but to God... He was getting ready to take this ordinary day and do something extraordinary with it. And when he does, it becomes something that is so beyond our control because that way God gets the credit for it. See, I think that's sometimes why we like to come to God or we come to church or whatever we're doing in our spiritual lives. We like to, we like to act like we have our life together. That way we get the credit for it. But when we lay ourselves 
before God and say, God, I'm broken. You do with me what you will. Whatever he does, then he, he gets the credit for it. No? And then when God gets involved, your normal changes. Anybody's normal changed over the past couple of years? Yeah, I think it has. Your routines have become different for a lot of you. Sometimes it's when our normal changes that we're more open to what God is trying to say to us. Right? But here's the deal. We, we limit God. We forget that the very one who spoke creation into existence has unlimited power in what he can do. And so what we do sometimes is, is we play this game. We, we wear masks not only in front of other people, but we wear a mask before God. And God says, listen, I just, I just want you to be honest. Come to me with your brokenness. And that usually comes at a point in our lives when it feels like we're in a desert. It's usually... When we slow down enough to listen to Him. When we slow down enough to talk to Him and listen to Him. And a lot of times we don't slow down enough with our lives to even listen to what He's trying to say to us. Many of us are so busy we don't even take the time to, to seek out His will, to seek Him out. And sometimes it takes that desert type experience for us to slow down, for God to soften our hearts so that He can use us the way that He wants to use us. And so God, if, if you're sitting out there this morning, you just feel broken. You say, man, I just don't feel like I can do much for God. That's Satan lying to you. God's saying, I, he's saying to you, I specialize in that type of thing. Right? The second thing we see, God uses our weaknesses and his strength to accomplish much. Moses wasn't perfect, but it's been my experience. And it's the example that scripture shows. God doesn't use perfect people. Amen? Are you thankful for that? Jesus didn't die for perfect people. You can't even be perfect. If you could be, we say it all the time, if you could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't even have to die in the first place. You can't do it. And so God makes no apologies that he's looking for broken people. He's looking for people that will admit their weaknesses. He's looking for people who will say, listen, I'm willing to get my own agenda out of the way, and I'm going to allow you, God, to do what you want to do in my life. And again, I think that part of the reason why a lot of Christians don't hear from God is because we're just too busy. And if God did put a burning bush in our lives, we wouldn't even recognize it. We don't see the burning bushes sometimes because we've got so many other things going on. We don't, we don't take the time to look. Moses' life did not change until he stopped what he was doing, the normal stuff, right? And noticed that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up, right? So Moses stopped doing the normal stuff, and then he recognized something that wasn't normal. And the reason that God called Moses by name Twice. Anybody know why? You women are probably sitting out there thinking, yeah, because he's a man. You got to tell a man everything twice, right? That's not, that's not it. It's because he just wanted to prove to Moses that, that, he, that he loved him. He called him by name twice. It wasn't like, hey, you, hey, hey, you over there, come on. Moses. Moses. 
Here's this runaway, rebellious man. And it's the very man that God wanted to use to free his people. It's the very one that God wanted to talk to that day. About how a life can be changed in an instant. God can change you like that. Again, I'll refer to Charlton Heston. Remember when he comes down from the mountain, you know, he goes up and he's this short-haired and kind of beard, short hair and dark hair. And he goes up the mountain and he talks to God. He comes back down. He's got the long, flowing white hair because he'd been changed by by God. Now, I don't know if that really happened or not, but Hollywood, uh, they might have nailed it on that. He was a different man. He might not have looked much different physically, but he was certainly different spiritually. Moses goes over to the bush. God's addressing him and and God says, take off your shoes. You're on on holy ground. And that's the beautiful thing that we need to understand this, this morning. God calls us into his presence in our weakness. There's this There's this philosophy, I think, with people that think that I got to get all my ducks in a row. I got to clean up my life first. I got to get all my I's dotted and my T's crossed before I can ever come to the Lord. It's not the way God works. God says, listen, you you come to me. We'll, We'll work out all those other details later. He calls us in our weaknesses. And it's in our weaknesses that his strength is perfect. Paul talked about that in chapter 12 of the uh, uh, 1 Corinthian letter, chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. More specifically, your weakness. Whatever your weakness is, would you give it to God because... That is when his power is on full display. That's when it becomes perfect. Would you give it to him when that moment comes? Because here's the deal. If you're going through a dry spot and and you're not sure what to do, would you slow down enough to recognize the burning bush that God might be putting in your way? Because God sometimes does use burning bushes to get our attention. That's the third, third point this morning. God used a burning bush to get Moses' attention. He had to stop what he was doing, go over and see and hear what God was doing and saying. Today, we we live in a society where where everybody's talking. Everybody wants to be heard. Nobody wants to listen. Would you agree with me on that? You think there are ever times when God is trying to speak to us? If, If God were going to speak to us audibly at some point, do you think there are ever times when he would like to just say, hey, would you shut up for a moment so I can talk to you? Now, he's not rude like that. God would never say that to us, I don't think. (laughs) But I think there are times when he would like to just say, hey, I'm trying to tell you something here. Sometimes he just wants us to be still and know that he is God, just to come into his presence and just listen I think the holy ground that Moses was on in that burning bush is still available to us today to come into his presence. Holy ground is holy ground. You know, we, we like to look back and we say, oh, this is an old story from the Old Testament. It doesn't really apply to us today. I, I think the Bible's pretty clear where two or more are gathered in his name. He's here. 
It's holy ground. It's separate ground. And where God is, we can talk to Him. We can give Him all of our concerns. We can give Him all of our cares. And then we can listen to His marching orders, what He's telling us to do so that we can build up His kingdom so that more people can come to know Him. The problem is we don't take time often enough to enter into that place where God is. We, man, it's going to sound like I'm getting on you a little bit, but here it goes. If we can fit church into our schedule at some point, we might do it. We might, if it fits our schedule. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll pray some, but how many of your prayer lives are like this? God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I want to see this. How many of us are into His Word on a regular basis and then take time after we read His Word to listen to what He's trying to say to us in it? And I don't know, maybe it's our busyness. Maybe it's our sin that prevents us from going there. Maybe it's because we feel like we don't belong there. I think some of us feel like Man, I've messed up so much in my life, I don't really belong in the presence of God. Again, I, I like what Ryan Croft said last week. I am who I am says I am. That's pretty cool. In fact, I, can we say that together? John, can you put that up on the screen? Let's all just say that out loud together. I am who I am says I am. What does God have to do to get your attention? Has He sent you some burning bushes that you've either not recognized or or you've just refused to do anything about it? Or you just feel like, hey, I can't check it out because my life is so messed up even if I go to God, He's not going to want anything to do with me. Are you going to let your past Keep you from receiving what the Lord has for you now. I'm not, no pun intended, I'm not going to beat around any bush this morning. But I want to read a quote from Erwin Lutzer in his book, One Minute After You Die. And this, this is what he imagines. One minute after you slip behind the parted curtain, you will either be enjoying a personal welcome from Christ or catching a first glimpse of gloom as you've never known it. Either way, your future will be irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody this morning into making some kind of a decision, but I've I was raised in a church that did that every Sunday, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I don't know, resistant to, to doing that. But it's truth. Here's the deal. If, if you don't know Jesus today, um, and you slip from this life, you're going to go into eternity um, without God 
And, and I don't know what God's been trying to put in your life. You know, most of you in this room, you've already made a decision to follow Christ. I, I, I understand that. And you're going to be in heaven. And that's, that's wonderful. But some of you, some of you maybe haven't. Okay? And so maybe today is the day that you make that decision to surrender your life to Christ and be baptized. But most of you, I would guess, you're already in some type of a relationship with God. That might be a really tight relationship where you talk to Him on a regular basis or you might be in a desert. Wherever you're at, I'm going to ask our worship team to come at this time. And I, I want you to consider maybe what it is that God might be speaking to you about today. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm your burning bush today that's been speaking to you. I don't know. Oh, maybe God said some things through me today that you need to wrestle with. If you get nothing else, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, if you get nothing else, will you, will you understand this? He wants to take your weaknesses and he wants to add his strength to those weaknesses so that he can do impossible things through you. So that he can get credit for being the awesome God that he is. What does God have to do to get your attention? Nobody else, just you. What's he got to do? What's he have to say to you this morning? that can build a kingdom that will help someone else, that will give you self-worth. Maybe you've been beating yourself up over things. What's he got to do? What's he got to say to get you to change your life forever? Are you willing to go over to that burning bush and check it out? I hope you are. We're going to sing uh, this next song um, as our song of decision. And I want you to really focus on the words that, that are being sung um, that helps just, maybe helps you to understand who you are in relationship to God. Let's pray.